Welcome to the Not So Common Podcast. I'm Pat Contry, and today I am here with Andre Meadows. Meadows of Black Nerd Comedy fame. Andre has been a prolific YouTuber for, wow, many years now. And he's getting out there in terms of working with uh, Regal Cinema. You'll catch him on the red carpet of Marvel premieres even. He's all over the place. I've done a Comic-Con panel with him before. He does his own... You know, he hosts his own Comic-Con panels. He's a big aficionado of, of Ninja Turtles, 80s and 90s cartoons, Disney Afternoon, Power Rangers. I'm probably missing a thousand things. Comics. He He's one of the only people I know that actually has a love of Archie on top of that. So let's welcome Andre here. Yay. Ah. <laughs> hey, how's it going, Pat? Not too bad. We, we talk a lot on the phone from time to time. It's weird. We have one of these uh, – I don't want to call it just like a, a – a uh, expo or convention relationship that like we only really see each other at these uh, these events. Yeah, uh, we only you only see each other at at events, but yeah, we have a lot of phone conversation. We we basically have little mini podcasts pretty much every time we talk. So yeah, <laughs> I'm not sure, one <laughs> I, I know I'm long winded. I'm not going to say you are as well, but I guess we we have a pretty decent exchange of ideas sometimes. And and just yeah. just personally, you're one of the hardest working people I know. And I'm oh, not, well, thank you. That's not hyperbole. I'm not even sure that's a compliment because <laughs> because <laughs> because I because I know like like last year during I think it was either before, right after Comic Con or before. Uh, where you're just like, yeah, I've got like five more lined up, and <laughs> you don't know how to say no, my friend. You, which is great. You get yourself out there, but you are almost always traveling or working. Which, yeah. It's crazy. I, I I know. I question it sometimes too. I'm always like, you know, <laughs> am I am I working better or am I just working harder and just keeping busy? But you know, it's it's fun, and I think it is yeah. tough because some of the opportunities that come along, I look at it as a this is a once in a lifetime thing, or this is good while it's hot. You know, let me enjoy it while it lasts, sort of deal. Because you know, we're in a we're in a world where or this internet world where you just don't know what's going to happen and so i i think my whole thing is just trying to get as much out there while i can and then see what happens from there well we'll just go dive right into it the work ethic that you think that's necessary for i guess relevance on youtube and and success and you embody i think what it takes i think to even be moderately successful and you're you're more than moderately moderately. (laughs) but you're more than moderately by the way what i'm saying is uh i think your level of ethic is what's needed to be even a little bit successful um yeah but it it is it's it's difficult because the thing about i mean the thing about entertainment in general this is not even just youtube it's entertainment in general is there's no one clear path so you could have someone who's been working very hard, very talented, very creative for years, maybe even decades, and still never get that quote-unquote big break. And then you can have someone just come out the blue and they just do the right thing at the right time, and then boom, there's their career, you know? Uh, And then some of those people are able to take that moment and let it grow. Some of the people, it's just that moment, and then that's it. Like, there's just so many different avenues. And I think YouTube is even a more prime example of that, of... You have people who have been making good content on their channels for several years, and then you have people that just come out of nowhere, and then all of a sudden, you know, they're one of the top creators, or they collab with the right person, or got the right shout out. You know, you just don't know. Um, but I do think that beneath it all, no matter how someone got to the place they are, they had to do something to get there. Like it's it's like this belief that it's all luck is just I don't I don't think that's true. There are certain things like. 
a related the right related video or the right way of the algorithm working in your favor and that kind of stuff definitely helps but you still got to do the content to get you that place so i think that there is that that, that is important all right, so definitely a couple of things. You're definitely consider yourself more of a grower than a shower on YouTube is what you're saying. <laughs> I believe that's what you said, Andre, for the record. Um, I, I, I don't know what that I don't know what you mean by that. <laughs> <laughs> well, well you started on YouTube what? Like pretty early, like 2007? Yeah, 2007 was the first was that was the first video I ever uploaded. It was two, September 2007, uh, which was actually an audition tape that I did for Beauty and the Geek. <laughs> oh my god was that, that one show. of those shows where you have a bunch of geeks vying for the the heart of, of a beautiful woman no, like, it was it was it was a house where you put a, a equal amount of beautiful women and geeks <laughs> because oh my gosh what will these people do together crazy times and uh, the only reason why i applied was because one of my friends knew the people that were casting this show and I guess at the time they had never had a black geek on the show, so they so she was like, "Oh my gosh, you gotta talk to Andre." And the people that were working on the show loved me, but I guess at the end of the day, he was either in the network or someone. Someone made someone at the top decided, nah, because <laughs> uh, I think what they ended up doing that year instead was they did a swap where one of the geeks was a girl and one of the beauties was a guy. So. That was enough, I guess. Who needs to oh. add a black geek when you got that? <laughs> so, But I had to make this video about myself, and I found out about YouTube. So I was like, all right, well, here's a great introduction to myself is this same video. So let's start there. And then I did stuff every once in a while. But I would say it was the later years of YouTube is when I really was like, let's make a video. Let's make videos every week. Let's make this consistently. You know, YouTube 2.0 is when you basically started. Yeah, yeah, getting yeah, going. The, yeah. The, the like next the, level, like the 2010 <laughs> to 11 era. You know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what uh, What were you doing before? Uh, before I guess before the, your YouTube existence. Well, as far as just being in LA, I was just doing you know traditional acting, stand up, improv, that kind of thing, the traditional actor route. And even before that, before I even moved here, and before I even got into entertainment, I was doing um, computer stuff. I was I, I had a I have a computer science degree, so I was doing computer development, web programming, computer programming. I was making oh. websites for different companies. That was my job, and I just would do like public access on the side and improv and stand up on the side, and I got an occasional we, local commercial. We have we have so much stuff to unpack from that statement that this we're going to be talking for like three hours. So first of all, I could have been asking you for help my website for years. I didn't realize that, but uh, I want to get into your stand up at some point. I want to get into your improv. I did I did a teeny bit of improv. I always yeah. want to try stand up. We'll get into that conversation. Whole of the world. But uh, I actually was a computer science major. Oh yeah, like, me too. For like one year. Oh, but, uh, <laughs> I graduated. <laughs> didn't work out. See, we're, right. we're we're roughly the same age. So when we were getting into it, like, oh, it's demand. Computers, the internet. What's yeah. a T? What's a T one line? But by, yeah. the t- but, but by the time we both got out of college, there wasn't any more demand for that anymore. The tech bubble was bursting, and it, it was sort of like. Now what do you do? Uh, That's you know totally I mean? what happened. I mean, there was there was definitely work out there, but but compared to the you know the magical land yeah. of computer work that was it's, that was always <laughs> promised us while we were in yeah. college, it was like, like as soon as we got out, it was like oh whoops because it was like, yeah it was that whole like let's all have a dot com yeah was crazy yeah pets dot com's yeah. a real thing. <laughs> do, do you know how to use a keyboard? You'll be a millionaire by thirty. You know it's like Pretty one of those much. sort of deals. 
Pretty you know, much. And that's what was uh, uh, interesting for me with entertainment because there were – I never – like I wasn't in drama club or any of that stuff in school. But we would have these times where we had to do like oral presentations in class or, or different art projects in class. And I was always into that stuff. So you would think that someone would have been like, oh, hey, he likes that. Let's let's enhance that. But because I was also into computers and this was going on, they were like, oh, no. Put all your focus in computers. That's the way to go. Acting and all and and entertainment. That's you know you can't tr- you can't rely on that. This is the real deal. And then you get the computers. It's like nope, all of it's the same. It's any, all fake. Any any, <laughs> any job that you that's a, just a lesson I learned. No matter what you uh, do in life, there's always an opportunity for it to linger, and there's always an opportunity for it to go away. So you, <laughs> you, you might as well do what you love. You know. <laughs> so you grew up with computers then, as a child. Uh, not, not so much in the home, but in schools. I mean, I luckily had like a good computer lab in middle school, even in elementary school. There was a couple schools I went to where we had good computers. And then, yeah. And then in high school, I was part of this computer technology program in school where we got to have our own laptop, like a real old Mac, like a black and white, just, you know, we got our own graphics calculator and then we, you know. Are you serious? You grew up, you, you grew up in what? Was it North Carolina? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like a, yeah, it was like a special program you had to apply for. It. Um, I think it was like a hundred students a year got picked to be what? a part of this program. Yeah, there was like yeah. a super super technical. Was this a public school grant thing or what was? Yeah, this? yeah. It was like a it was like a yeah it was like a public school uh, program. I mean, it it happened at let's say the most predominantly black school in the group of schools that, in the neighborhood so you could probably read between the lines of what they were trying to do with it <laughs> but well okay let's not read what were they trying to do they were trying to lift you up is what you're, what no, you're saying no they were trying i think it was or, their way of trying to basically get more white students in the school <laughs> oh i see okay they wanted to attract okay yeah, yeah, but you know, but then it was like surprise. There's smart black kids that like computers. We're applied too, so give me that, give me that presentation. That's that's so funny because it sounds like you were given graphing calculators. You had yeah. decent what Apple computers? It sounds like yeah, or, and then there were computers Max. in all the classrooms. And then anytime they were able to use okay. technology and stuff, it was cool. It was really cool. But I, what was interesting was that it was applied to the annex. Of another school, so it's literally like I don't know if you've ever seen the movie uh, Class Act starring Kid and Play. It's the non house party, uh, Kid and Play the, movie. The one, the one non house party, the venture one non house party. But there's a there's a whole scene in that movie where the school is like crazy, but they, you know Kid and Play accidentally switch places. But he has to go to like one of the classes and one of the you know like the smart kid classes, and there's this door that opens and it goes straight from like the crazy school with people getting rowdy and stuff, and it just is like beautiful and clean, and there's music playing. That's exactly how my program was. It was so, like regular high school, and you go in this one little corner, and it's like tech everywhere and all this stuff. So, how would you have described your high school? Was it was it uh, decent? Was it underfunded? No, no, it was. I mean, it, it was, was just a, like any school. It's just it had this particular. It program, had this higher so, tech sort yeah, of wing so on you, it. Yeah, okay. so you kind of, you kind of, people knew. I mean, it was a thing because it was such a small group. Like people knew that you were a part of that program, and then you know, then you sort of have the, the split. You get like the kids who are like, "Hey, I'm the smart kid, but I'm still cool, so I can still hang out with everyone else." And then you have the like, oh, we're no, we're the straight up nerds. Like, you know, there's no chance. <laughs> we're, we're, so people knew you were in this program at your school. 
Oh yeah. Or did people look up to you because of it? Did some people say, "Oh, that he thinks he's better than us because he's in the you know the exclusive club"? Or was it a mix of that? It's a mix. It's a mix. I mean, the thing about and I always tell people that when you're when when you're young, like everyone tries to find something to pick at you at. So whatever you got, whatever is in your arsenal, and they're gonna they're gonna go for it. So yeah, there was some people who were like, "Oh, you think you're all that because they." But then there was yeah, there's also people who. I were good friends with that I probably would not have met if it weren't for that program and and you know there there was a mix of things so I don't I wouldn't I'm not gonna pull this like oh my god I was beat up every day it's like no there were some kids that were like cool with me and there were some that weren't and there were some that were like I'm cool with you as long as we're by ourselves but if like oh yeah you always like those kids <laughs> but the popular kids come along I was like go away I always yeah. say I'm like screech you know it's like they're, screech they're... gets to hang out with Zach every <laughs> once in a while but you know but you know no he's they're... not really in the same league <laughs> hey we're friends on the dl don't tell anyone yeah, yeah, we're friends yeah, yeah, yeah. as long as you don't tell anyone we're cool you know like yeah. one of those things you come over hang out play nintendo it's all good but when i see you at school don't make eye contact I, i'll just push you very gently into the locker i won't yeah. i won't use a lot of force you know I, i'm gonna pull my punches well let's, yeah. let's well let's get into that though i mean that goes along with i guess you, you when you talked about like the rarity in terms of of the the show Beauty and Kika yeah. being a black nerd growing yeah. up, it probably was more relatively uncommon versus the quote unquote you know white geek. So was that something you had to face with your own peers as well? Was like maybe some weren't used to be a guy that you know liked Power Rangers and Ninja Turtles growing up and, and liking Disney Afternoon stuff. Well, like like I said before, you know anything that you got in your arsenal, so it's gonna get you. So. I mean, as far as being a black nerd, I think it's just more because I was mostly around black people growing up in certain neighborhoods than necessarily like, oh, we're picking on you specifically because you're a black nerd or whatever. But um, yeah, I, I I think it was a lot of it was just that I was just into different things because, you know, coming from the South, very sports heavy. You know, everyone, sure. you know, there's a lot of col- good colleges and a lot of people throwing out sports scholarships all over the place. So if you can play basketball, you play football, that was highly regarded. You know, you get the people who are still got their old high school jackets and going back <laughs> to the high school. You, you know, these, you know, we see, you see like yeah. the Friday night lights and shows like that. Like that stuff's real. Yeah. In, in the so, South, South football, high school football, yeah, college football. Were, oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, uh, being smart's appreciated, but if you could, if you could play some good games, hey, people, yeah. you were like a legend. In, in some cases yeah and so yeah so that i think that was part of it too and then yeah and then also i skipped the grade uh i skipped kindergarten because i was like i don't need that i don't need <laughs> I, nap time yeah i can color between the lines thank you very much <laughs> uh but no i i skipped the grade so um i was usually the youngest in most of my classes um by like a year sometimes even two years so that's the thing too like it doesn't make it doesn't mean that much in elementary school and even later in high school but middle school you notice it because it's like that's when puberty starts to hit Mm -hmm. and if you're like behind the curve on puberty it's like that's that's the instant thing of like oh now you want to be cool and meet you know go out and date stuff like that and i'm still coming in going we're tiny we're tootie you know (laughs) it's like you stand out and then i would also say that college is also when you're like one of the younger people in college because that's when you're really like all right let's go out and party and like i couldn't go some for like a good year or so i couldn't even go to things because i was you know so andre andre was the black doogie hauser i had no idea (laughs) i had I'm finding, out, I, no, I'm finding out. I'm finding out all sorts of things right now. I wasn't doing. I wasn't like doing open heart surgeries at 14. Like, whatever. Andre's building it, like the new internet in his garage, like like Billy on the Power Rangers. You know, yeah. that was Andre yeah. growing up. 
It's Did funny. You... It's funny because uh, when I watched Mighty Morphin Power Rangers growing up, it was very funny because like, there's a lot of times, obviously, I was like, Zach, that's so awesome because, you know, Black Power Ranger and it's just so sure. cool to see a black superhero when you're, when you're young. But then, yeah, there would be that time when Billy would do something and go, yeah, that's that's more. That's, that's more, more you. So why? So now this movie puts them together. We got the black guy as uh, Billy this time. Andre, you're so good at promotion and YouTube. You brought it into a topic where we weren't even talking about this new movie. Are they? Lionsgate's not paying you that much. All right. No, they're not paying me at all. Let me let's let's set that record straight. That's why I love. I love that. Like, the, I, I mean, I get it now because there are sponsorships and stuff like that. But it's just so funny now, particularly with the stuff that we love. That the moment you say anything positive about anything there's always this assumption that you got paid for it i i i have to tell the story this always cracks me up i was in vegas one time and i had an incident happen where i went on to an elevator and this woman who was already in the elevator ready to go up got off the elevator like like i don't know what what she was in the elevator she walked in to go to her room i walked in it was just the two of us and i guess she decided this doesn't feel good to me and she left and i was like whatever but what's funny is i'm holding a strawberry mcdonald's milkshake in my hand (laughs) (laughs) so i'm like i don't know that Uh, has anyone ever been mugged while holding a milkshake if you want to take care of yourself you want to play safe do what you got to do but i'm holding the mcdonald's milkshake it's very hard to like (laughs) Give me your purse while I sip this stra- hey. strawberry. It's not even vanilla or chocolate. Hey. It's strawberry. Hey, it might have happened to her one time. Maybe she's having a PTSD. Maybe I don't know. Had, yeah, maybe she did. But I so so then I took a photo and posted online and said, "Girl got you know, woman got off an elevator because I was with her. I guess she thought I was threatening." And it was a picture of me with the McDonald's shake. And I kid you not, someone was like. Oh man, this must be sponsored by McDonald's. You got ah! McDonald's. <laughs> my tale, my tale of subtle racism, brought to you by McDonald's. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> da 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 da. Uh, that's racist. <laughs> I was gonna try to think of something like that. You got there before me. Uh, it's but it's better if you said it, not me. Probably. Anyway, probably, I don't know. I just I just thought that was funny. I was like, even if they were. Do you really honestly think that McDonald's would approve that story for campaign? Yeah, hey. let's talk about how hey. a woman left the elevator because you're the one black guy with her in the elevator. That's like a great way to sell our strawberry shakes. The fact that it was also in a casino, which has such heightened security as is. I don't, it's just the whole thing is great. The whole thing is great. Oh um, man! Whole, no, it doesn't mean it's not great that she she thought you were going to do something. Though. I mean, the story hey, whatever you know, do what you got to uh, do. It just I just uh, was fun. I just never seen that before. I mean, I've hey. seen the stuff like the women clutching the purse or the walking hey. or whatever. You know, hey, I do it sometimes. I'm scared of everybody. This, you know, hey, <laughs> so, how many uh, how, how many retweets did you get? If that that soft racism is worth like three hundred likes, I mean, you you can, you got to accept it at that point, right? <laughs> no. No, it was forgotten. Uh, no, I just I just thought it was funny. Oh. I just thought it was funny to see someone walk in the elevator. I walk in and they literally were just like, "Nope, <laughs> good day to you, sir." <laughs> you yeah, you, you, had your, you had your Archie shirt on the same time. Yeah. I know. I can't yeah. I remember. I remember what shirt I was wearing. I'm pretty sure it was a Ninja Turtle something silly. But you know, hey man, don't hey. judge a book by its cover, right? Beauty and the Beast opens what? March 17th. <laughs> Son of a bitch, Andre. I'm ending this podcast right now. Not one more plug. That was two in like 20 minutes. I'm just going to make... I'm just gonna, you're the I'll, king. Right now, I'm, just, 
I used to get mad about people. Now I just want to act like I'm sponsored by everybody. Like I just want to well, like one day I'm gonna walk on my YouTube channel with like just a shirt, like one of those NASCARs where it's just like <laughs> you know, patches all over, <laughs> patches all over. Just do it. I'll put one. Oh, hey, I'll, I'll do one for real. I'll, I'll pay you like a thousand dollars. You got to put a patch on my book oh, on your dude, shirt I'll, for like a I'll month. I'll put your whole book. I'll like tape <laughs> your book to my chest. Like open on a certain I, page, but like, but that's the world we're into. I think people on YouTube, uh, people that watch YouTubers, are so protective because we're still in this sort of weird gray area of a lot of people think entertainment should always be free, and that people that create the entertainment should do it regardless of how much time is put into it, money or effort. But yeah. at the same, t- so at the same time, they have to realize that creators are doing these things also to a goal so that they can create enough revenue to keep doing it. So well, it's, the, it's it's not yeah. just about. Okay, you have to have passion about what you're doing, absolutely, but you, it right. has to support what you're doing in order to continue doing it, or else you're going back to to the geek squad, you know, <laughs> fixing viruses. I'm going back to my shitty office job where you'll yeah. never see me again or you'll see content once a month like you used to. I always think it's funny. We're like, oh, I like it back in the old days, Pat, when you were just doing this and you weren't doing your podcast. That's yeah. great, but my YouTube channel was dead and it wasn't creating any revenue, so you that would have been it for me. You would just seen one video a month or at once every six weeks until I burnt out and was gone forever. You know, those are your options a lot of times. Well, the thing is, the thing is, and I think uh, this sometimes happens, and that's why sometimes I got to be honest, I I have said this before publicly, I'm not, I I sometimes, I'm not so easy to use the word YouTuber or like put all of us in one basket because I think that's the thing. YouTube is a platform and you could use it whatever way you want. Like there are people I know here in LA who are not trying to make YouTube channels or be quote unquote YouTubers, they make a really cool video that they hope gets some traction because they're a good director or they do good special effects and that's their calling card. You know, you have people who are in college or in high school or have a nine to five job and they just make videos when they feel like it because it's just something they like to do. And then you have the situation like what you're talking about is like you want to create your own brand or your own business and you want to get something out there. And I think you have to look at each one of those cases individually because, yeah, if you're going to try to make a business out of this, like any form of entertainment, it's going to get paid. There's no such thing as free entertainment. Like it's there's got to be a way that money gets into it. That's like, you know, like it always cracks me up when I watch. I mean, it's silly, but like you think about something like American Idol where the judges have the giant Coca-Cola bottle or glasses <laughs> in front of them or the kids have to sing some song around a Ford car. It's like they're they're always going to figure out a way to get advertisement in something, you know. And the same thing works with YouTube. And I I personally think it's better if you can work with a creator, do something creative, and have a fun way to show off a product that still is the style of them, or or even just a quick plug, than to really truly commercialize it, you know, so to speak. So, um, so yeah, I, I I think that's just it. And then you know, let's just be real. If some of the people that complain about that got the same opportunity, would they pass it on it? You know. No, sir. <laughs> Put your money back in your wallet. You know, I, I think that most people would take the opportunity, and I say take. I say if anyone wants to give you something, um, and you get to still have your creativity, that's fine, as long as it's creative and not exploitative. Which that's that's a whole different I, thing. I think that's the key. I think I think most reasonable people would be open to the personality on YouTube. Uh, either advertising or being sponsored by something that might interest them to begin with. So if one day I saw Andre all of a sudden be like, hey, I'm sponsored by, you know, Fancy Blouse Incorporated, you know, like, (laughs) it'd be like, all right, I'm trying to see how this works into Ninja Turtles now, you know, like, I think there's a difference between that. I and will see, find a way. A fancy blouse. 
<laughs> I will find a way. I I did one with glasses, and I never thought people would be into it. It's actually one of my most popular videos. Was but you wear glasses though, so it, I and, do. And you that's have, true. That's true. But and, you, and you have the like, black nerd moniker, and people think a nerd's a thing of glasses. So even that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. I guess. By but the yeah, way, no. by the way, Andre, I'll just say this: that DK Blizzard you're, you're sipping right now looks beautiful. I mean, it was, it was, it's, be- it's delicious how it's presented. Yeah, yeah <laughs> especially on my Tipperpedic bed or whatever. <laughs> I had my one of my podcast. Uh, I had a potential mattress podcast advertiser one time, and they said, "But we want you. To, we want someone that we want you to be able to endorse it, though, which means that you say actually use it." So, so one yeah. company wanted to send me a mattress. Didn't happen though. But I mean, funny, but I had to sleep in a mattress to say, "Yeah, this is pretty good. I sponsor it." You know, before- hey, man, it's it all. Well, that's what's funny is like sometimes the ones that you don't even think would make sense end up being super exciting or super fun just because it's different. And I and I and I always like that. Like I said, I'm always into when a company wants to collab. The problem that happens a lot of times, though, is that you get companies or individuals who are not coming to you as collabs or or even as like a simple sponsorship. They just want a commercial and they want to try to guide your content, the part that you control, to just be about them. And it's really hard sometimes when you have to explain to them, look, I want to work with you. I want to do something with you. But if we do it the way that you want to do it, it's not going to come off as authentic or it's going to come off very commercial and it's going to be a lose-lose for everybody because, yeah, you might get your word out, but now I've got to deal with the heat of, you know, this this deal. So have it's you very had, important. Have you had a bad experience where you, like, you took something that, in retrospect, you're like, eh, maybe I should have done that one. That one really didn't work or didn't fit into um, it. No, there's something, I, there's, something, there's something I feel bad about. It's just there were a couple where I had to sort of fight back and say, look, I want to do this, but we can't do it this way. You have to do like this. And that was a bit of a struggle because you don't want to do that. You know, you want everyone to be on the same page, but that's what it takes. Um, and then you have what I like to call the infamous brand deal of my entire life, which, of course, was the Sonic Boom <laughs> this I'm not familiar with. You'll have to explain this. What oh. was, your, what was the, in, the Sonic Boom incident? Let me hear this. So Sega, so a, a, a company reached out to me to do a brand with Sega, particularly with Sonic the Hedgehog. And I was like, absolutely, because, you know, it's Sonic the Hedgehog. It's got a great franchise. Let's go for it. But it was when the Sonic Boom uh, Rise of Lyric Wii U game came out. And so that was part of the deal was mentioning that. And I was like... Okay, but we all know, and I was like, I was like, well, let's work together here. But we we all know this is a this is a bad game, right? <laughs> so, uh, let's see, thirty two percent on Metacritic. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, luckily, I was like, look, we can talk about the history of Sonic, the franchise of Sonic. You know, I can go on, you know, so that that can all definitely be covered. They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you still, at some point, have to mention Sonic Boom. So it's just funny how it gets mentioned. And it's very tongue-in-cheek. It's very sarcastic. Someone at Sega maybe not liked it. I don't know. But my audience was totally down for it because they could almost see... They well, they told, knew that they wanted they to promote their latest product, right? So yeah, and they were, and I made it. And the thing about it is, I'm always honest about it. I'm always open about when someone sponsors me or when something's a review copy or when you know, I, I never hide that. So it's like they all knew what was up. I made it clear in my performance what the what the challenge was, and it ended up being one of more, the more fun <laughs> brand deals I ever did, just because of just how ridiculous it was to be like a part of this thing, knowing what was going on and being honest and open about it too. And so what that Sega has a hitman out for you? No, that's okay. No. But you, yeah, but you know what? But you know what's funny is I had I had comments of people like, 
Well, because of what you went through, I played the game. So still the game got played or still the game got sold. Sometimes, sometimes even that. There's movies that I've joked about, about how ridiculous they are. And I get tweets like, yeah, man, I watched Nine Lives just because of what you said about it. It's like, hey, it works, right? (laughs) I I think some fans are savvy to know that some of these companies don't have a choice. They have to promote their products, obviously. So if they can can be lighthearted about, hey, maybe this isn't the best one. Maybe that's a positive PR spin for their company. But yes, I I will not say sometimes I see um, (laughs) you doing some of those uh, movie recaps or get you up to speed on some of the movies where I – well, maybe this is one Andre maybe wouldn't be his first choice, but hey, it is what it is. Are, are you talking about Cash Up with Andre? Yeah. Well, that's for Regal Cinema. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's a show I do for them. So it is, it is, it's, it's a not biased, not my opinion. It's just straight up like, here's the movie that's coming out and here's everything you need to know before that movie. So yeah, what what I do on there is a is a show I'm doing for them. Yes, there are a couple of movies where I was well, I know we had to do an episode on Jim and the holograms and I just thought that was hilarious because I'm like, here's my story about catching you up on Jim before you go see yeah. this movie. <laughs> Don't and watch I, any of the cartoon, but here it's coming out, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And of course I gave my legit review of that movie on my channel, but that's what sure. you do for them. But then it was funny because I remember some of the comments on that video was like yeah, you know how Andre feels about this when it's a three-minute video about Jim and two and a half minutes are just about the cartoon. And the <laughs> are just about the movie. Catch up like, with Jim. Watch the you know watch yeah. the Sumbo cartoon and then hey, it might be in theaters this weekend. Actually, yeah. this only weekend, so you might you better catch it. But that's that's another thing that people don't you know I think a lot of times people don't get that too is like what you do as yourself on your channel. And what you do as a work for hire for someone else. Great. Now, I, I love, I mean, I don't have a problem with Regal. Like, they, they have been great. They've been really supportive. And they let me create the content the way I create it. I mean, I obviously have to say this movie's in Regal Cinemas. Go to Regal Cinemas because that's the whole point of the show. Sure. But they have been so open to me. Um, like, I, I don't think there's ever been a time where I've said anything in video where they've come back and say, you can't say that. The only thing that they've ever just said is, like, just make sure you mention Regal Cinemas, you know, that, that sort of thing. So that's the best relationship. I'm creating something that's good for them, that they can use, but I'm creating it in a way that works for me, that feels good to me, and it's a win-win all around. And I think that's why people like that show, and that's why their relationship's been going on for so long. Do, do you feel you've been able to develop these relationships with these other companies and it's not just with you know uh, you've worked with Nintendo directly a lot correct? yeah uh, it's, it's because you have it's not it's not just this uh, it's I don't know how I want to phrase this you have a very positive overall spin on your content and that's not to say you haven't had negative things to say about movies or franchises but even still the way you deliver it is still in sort of a tone and fashion that's more friendlier than to say oh i'm angry about this today (laughs) well no i i don't i don't think that's the reason i just think that um you know it's a it's a mix of this content fits the brand that they have uh this person is known you know i mean there's a lot of different factors that come into play there's some companies that there's some companies that have things that i love and would be perfect for but they still are just like well but we want to work with someone who's a bigger channel i mean th- those things happen but i think a lot of it is that or at least what i try to do is if i'm saying something positive or negative about something i just want to have a reason for it it's it's not just so much of saying i love or i hate something but this is why so if i'm saying you know, this movie sucks, then here's the reasons why it sucked. Because I, I do feel like, and I'm not, this is not to be 
mean to anyone else, but I think sometimes we can get into such the 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 fever or the the energy of saying I love or I hate something that we don't sometimes sit back and say, well, but this is why. Or if someone thinks different of us, why their reason is valid. Because I I love it when people are like, well, I disagree with you because. And if you disagree with me and you have a reason and it's a valid thing, I'm like, yeah, okay, I can't argue with that. But if you're just like, nah, you you suck and this sucks because. Just cause I'm like I haven't, I haven't I haven't seen the movie yet, but I hate it. So how can you like it, even though you've already seen it? I can't argue with that. <laughs> I, I think it's very very telling what you said. I want to get back to that about yeah. some people even come to you in this day and age and say that you don't have enough subscribers to promote what we want to do, and you have like over half a million subscribers. Yeah, dude. Yeah, dude. It's it's funny. I always joke that I, I I've said this to a few people. I always joke that I feel like I'm in what I call the YouTube middle class because <laughs> it's like well, then you're, you're upper middle class. I'm lower middle class on YouTube. Then Andre, still, but still, I, but you you got you got Direct TV. I, I still have basic cable. <laughs> I got know. the extra channel. I got HBO this month. No, yeah. but what I mean is. Uh, <laughs> Because it's like you have the people that just start out, like you're brand new, you got the playbook in your hand, or you're reading that through that, or you're like looking at all the tips online of how to do YouTube, like you're starting out, and there's like lots of information and stuff for that. If you're like the cream of the crop top YouTuber, you know, everyone knows you, you're you're talked about all the time, people aspire to you, whatever else. But when you're kind of in this like middle area, it's very interesting because... You can't use some of the the tips and the help out there because they're mostly for starting, not for where you are. And you don't have any much information at that point of like how to get to next level. And it's such a case by case basis at that point um, that it gets a lot tougher when you're trying to figure out how to reach the next level of your of your YouTube career um, because you're you're kind of on your own at that point, and it's really really hard and. Unfortunately, and I don't, and I, I like anyone that works in this world. I mean, from the business end, like you know, the MCNs or the, or the different whatevers. But there's a certain point where a company or a, or a brand or whatever is just going to want to see who's at the top that can help them, and it's not so much a help anymore. Of like, well, how do we get you to next level? It's just like, well, who's already there? <laughs> I, I look at the hierarchy of YouTube. And probably similar to you in terms of like I don't consider myself a quote unquote YouTuber the same way you look at YouTube more of a platform versus this yeah. is my primary occupation. But those people that have 10, 15 million uh, subscribers, they are YouTubers. They are the ones that that's where they are, that's where they're going to end up, and that's what they'll probably always will be doing. Yeah, so that, that's oh. where, that's their occupation. Absolutely. Uh, I actually had a yeah I won't reveal names, but I, I've had conversations with other creators who they're like they are that they have like millions of subs every video is a hit they're doing great and i'm talking to them going man i wish i could get to that level like you're at and then they come to me like well i wish i was doing all these other gigs that you do Mm -hmm. with all these different companies because it is a trade-off by you know if i were you know just to focus 24 7 on that you know maybe i would be in a different place but i do like the opportunities that i get and some of these people that you know if you're getting to that level, you're putting your your blood, sweat, and tears into it. You're dedicating your life to it. It's it's, it's not easy, and I think that's a lot of things that people don't know. Particularly when you first get into this, this is not easy at all. There are so many easier ways to earn income <laughs> than making YouTube videos. Oh, no. I I quit my when I quit my uh, 
daytime job five years ago. Yeah. I, I went from making a decent amount of money to making, like, my YouTube revenue at that point was probably, like, three and a half thousand a year. Yeah. You know, whatever it was. With yeah, no and I deals, would, you know. Yeah, and I was still, like, the first few years of my YouTube career, I was working uh yeah. Job, regular jobs like I had that's why that's why my video content was was spa, uh, scattered in the past was because if I had to work I had to work you know because that was where the money was coming in. it wasn't until I could really see myself going like all right I have I could earn enough to make this something that I was able to dedicate more time to it do you think with people like us we're, we're aggressive the middle class uh, <laughs> even though you know I have mostly uh, just box macaroni and cheese most dinners during the week <laughs> Okay, I got the, I got the special box. The, the, the yeah, you get the deluxe. Get the you actually get the real cheese. Yeah. Son of a bitch! I want to go. Andre has a pool. Why can't we have a pool? Yeah. <laughs> Which is the truth. I didn't have a pool as a kid. Well, I grew up. I grew up I middle either. middle class, but I won't get into that right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't high. It wasn't low. Anyway, but um, I wonder if it's sort of a chicken and an egg sort of thing with YouTubers like us, where we branch off because we're not. We know we're never going to be those 20 million subscribed people, or is it self-fulfilling that we want to do that, and that limits our appeal or our work into the system in order to reach that? Or maybe it's a combination of both. I don't know. Uh, I, don't... I, I wonder if I ever – if I quickly got to like you know a million, five million subscribers where I would be like, all right, I don't need to do this book on the side, or I wouldn't have even time to do the book on the, on the side. You know what yeah. I mean? Or it's it's but... one of those questions where I don't know how has a clear answer, but it's just something I just thought of. Well, I think I think that there was definitely a time period of of that of like if you want to do YouTube, like go hard at it, and and you know you'll probably see the results. But I think that I mean we're seeing it now, like you know it's very very tough now, and I think it's also um, good in my opinion to have other things going on. I think I you know the putting your eggs in one basket, as they say, because I mean look at some of the other platforms that were big. I mean I don't I'm you've been around for a while, so you remember like. Rever and I, I know Daily Motion. I guess is still around, but there was like Rever. There was like um, Blip. My, MySpace, Blip, uh, Friendster. Um, uh, <laughs> there was a. It, I know there's Vimeo still around, but there was another one that was like Vidler or something. There was there was like a bunch of different platforms, and I remember having some pretty successful channels. Like I know Rever was one where I had a pretty decent channel. I was getting good views on it, and then just one day. Rever was gone, you know, or you think about recently with Vine, you know, it's like these things can happen. And I don't think YouTube is going to ever have that crazy of a, a thing happening, but it is harder to gain a following with YouTube versus a few years ago when you were making the same type of content. So, you know, you it's good to sometimes be able to branch out. And I think I think the reason why brands will sometimes come to me or you or anyone um, even if they're not the top channel, is I think sometimes seeing those other things shows that you are capable of doing other stuff. There are some people who maybe, you know, this person who might be really good at doing YouTube videos, but then if you have them host something or do something live, are they able to do the same, bring the same level uh, uh, to that? Um, and then vice versa. You know, like everyone's got different skill sets, so it's like you use the skill sets to your advantage based on what you what you're capable of. So, so I think it's great that you made that book, Pat. That is now available. <laughs> as you as you sip on that DK Blizzard. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I, I just think it's funny. Um, I, I don't want to make this a rant on unappreciative uh, people that uh, view content, but whenever I work on outside projects, I don't think people, even though I, if I explain it, people don't realize. I think there's this sort of mindset about YouTuber life where it's like. Uh -huh. 
someone who posts on YouTube or has even a moderate success, successful channel is that that's either all they do or it's more simpler than what it looks to be. Um, oh, so, yeah. So whenever, like, um, you know, people are like, uh, you know, oh, Pat, you're not doing as many these t- sort of videos anymore or, or these sort of videos. And I'm like, hey, I got a life outside of YouTube you might not see. I'm doing this book or I'm working on this uh, video game year series, which isn't even on my channel that I'm putting all this work into. So it's like it, yeah. it's hard to get that word out. I think the the people that really follow you are, do a better job of keeping up with it. Like I always say that like my Twitter followers are like that's really my sort of. That's how many people like me, at least yeah. enough to follow my everyday actions on Twitter. That like whatever thirty five thousand people. Like those are the people that are with me and know what's going on more so than you know the YouTube subscribers that might come in and out every few months to see what's going on. More yeah. of a casual audience sort of thing. Well, it's hard to tell. I mean, yeah, like they, you're never going to get every subscriber because like you don't know the history of each subscriber. Like you said, sure. some people could be like I noticed that when I get if I get like a random burst of subscribers recently then I'll notice that sometimes my videos will do a little bit better because they're new and therefore they're looking at everything. But someone who subscribed to you maybe five years ago, you know, they may not be on your channel as much or they may not even be on YouTube as much anymore. Like their their taste as a whole can change. And then YouTube itself has changed so much. The type of content that you could make back in the day would not work now. I remember there was a time period where higher production value equaled more views like you would you was seen as a better creator if you created something that had high production value we see today that that's not always the case you know so it's a change so like you said if you're putting several hours into something and you're getting a small amount of viewership or a regular or even just a regular amount of viewership but then you do something that gets that same amount or more and it doesn't take as much of that that time to do so and you've only got so much time to create content in general to keep your business going you have to make some unfortunate decisions about what works for you as a business versus what works for you is what you can can do well you're so. you're talking you're speaking to i guess which I wanted to get into segue yeah. Yeah. I guess trends of YouTube versus yeah. the YouTuber sort of, I guess, uh, creativity. Um, so, yeah, at one point it was all about, you know, I guess YouTube was focused on where do these videos that are getting millions of views, we're going to push those, or like you said, higher production quality. Then it switched to, all right, who's putting out videos every day? Yeah. You know, like, let's, like, who's consistent? Uh, and that's how it was looked at for growing channels. And now there's the thing, about, uh, you know, going around that. Well, now it's about... Uh, engagement, like are, are people that are watching videos commenting, liking? Yeah, are they, are, are they actually uh, are they actually absorbed with with this content to make sure that eyeballs are on it and they're not just clicking off after three seconds? Right. You know? So it, this is the way it's evolved, I, and it's always I think followed. Uh, it's, YouTube's a business. Google has to make money. It, I guess it's followed more or less now what the advertisers are looking for. Um, but in terms of your, I guess YouTube career. How, how do you sort of um, marry the need to, to have a creative output that you enjoy versus, okay, what was going to be successful on YouTube? Or do you sort of just go with the flow and figure, hey, no matter what, <laughs> it, can never, it, it can never be perfect. You know, it, it's always going to be what it's going to be. I think, I think the best way to look at that is always is doing what's working but at the same time, always being prepared to change. Because like I said, particularly with myself being on YouTube as long as I have, I've seen so many different phases of of what is work. Because like I said, yeah, there was a time period where, you know, you saw people doing more higher production or more sketches and more scripted stuff and you wanted to go that route. 
But then you had something like the 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 like you're talking about the daily vloggers, the life vloggers, and family vloggers came about, and that created an interest. When YouTube did that whole originals program, when they gave you know funding to celebrities and to to outlets to create real high quality production value uh, content. It was it, a lot of people didn't get behind it, didn't get behind it, and now it's never even heard of. <laughs> you know, it's like it's like mystery gone. Uh, but like I, I could tell just from what I was watching that sort of the backlash for some of that stuff led to people liking again more the individual content, the very like you know kind of rough but kind of just authentic into your face type of content as opposed to the very produced stuff. One of the things that I've noticed recently. When I've been doing like reviews and things like that, I remember there was a time period. You, I'm sure you're very aware of this, where you say this jump cut, then you say this jump cut, then you say this jump cut. Like it was a very YouTube style of making content. I found that there's more people now who don't like that when that what used to be the thing because you want to make your video like super tight and like real quick and you know they used to be the, uh, the the Ray William Johnson style. Well, just like yeah, or just like yeah, or just like that whole thing of like keeping your video super tight so it's done in like three to five minutes because at the time we were watching a lot of stuff on the computer, so you want to keep people's interest real quick because they're going to go off and do something else. But now we got mobile devices, now we got game systems, now we got people watching YouTube on television, so they're now more inclined to sit back and watch longer content and they want to see something that's a very full thought out thing so they don't want to see constant like jump 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 you know uh, or that's one thing like people just kind of go in phases about stuff and i think it's smart or, or it's least nice to be able to look at your own content and go okay if i'm noticing that certain things are changing can my content change with it and i think that that's something i've had to do a number of times including now of just deciding like is what i'm doing you know still creative like i think that's always the base is is it something i enjoy to do but if i'm again trying to make this part of a business does it fit what is going on with youtube um and then also it gets tricky when you start talking about trending stuff because something i've learned is that i have videos that have quote unquote trended but they didn't lead to more subscribers sometimes like sometimes a video that's less viewed but more just me will get more subscribers than the one that hit a trending topic and has got seen by a bunch of people because they like watch that one video and go, great, nice to see you, sir. I'm done with you now. Whereas others may be like, oh, I'm interested. Let me watch more. Is there any sort of content that you used to do that you either had to nudge in a different direction or give up entirely that you wish you can go back and have the time to, to do again? I loved, I when I first started, I did, and that's why my videos were not, very frequent ones. I was doing like sketches and, and stuff and I would spend like days on making a video, like filming it and getting a bunch of people involved and making the perfect edit and stuff like that. And it's very fun. Um, but I had to give some of that up very early. You know, I still do it on occasion, but you know, when companies came in and started doing the same type of content I was doing, but on a different level that was going to get them out there and I'm still making music videos in my apartment. You know, like it just doesn't have, it's just, you know, it's fun, but it just doesn't have the same effect as it did when it was still new. When the, I, when the concept of making videos like that was still fresh, it was interesting, but now it's like, it's very, it's very different. Um, so when I got into more commentary review type content, that was, um, that was great. But um, even something like that, I look at now and go, is that still working? Because, you know, a lot of newer creators 
are are also doing you know the same type of content so you know it's just it's just constantly evolving with what's going on i just find it interesting that sometimes evolving on youtube means returning to things that were once once big before because like i said when i started or one of the reasons why i even got the name blackner comedy when i started youtube it was the thing to have your youtube channel be a channel like it was a this is the you know this is my character or this is my network of programming or whatever else but now you see today a lot of the youtube channels are very much people it's like this is i am so and so and this is my channel and i i find that very interesting and you are never going to just be the Andre Meadows political and social talk channels. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anyone wants that from me. <laughs> plus, plus, I don't know if I ever want to get. I mean, I, I have to. I have to argue about you know people getting mad about Marvel and DC movies or or which Power Ranger season is the best or which Ninja Turtles <laughs> season. And like, so it's like if you if we can't get on one level ground with that, I'm not ready to bring politics into the fray. <laughs> uh, is, is that when you know things are going to be best for the future? We can decide. You know, Batman v Superman wasn't the worst movie ever. We can say, okay, it was just it was just bad, and that wasn't the worst thing ever. At that point, there was hope for us. Yeah, I, and I think that's the thing. And I, I always laugh when people get in that because I, you know, something's always gonna be the best or the worst based on your experience. Like I see a lot of movies throughout the course of the year, so I'll, something may be bad to me, but it may not be the worst. But if 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 bat if let's say you saw five movies and four of them were really great and then you got Batman v Superman then yeah I guess to you that would have been the worst movie for me yeah I'm not a thumbs up about it but is it the worst thing I ever saw no that's Jim in the holograms <laughs> <laughs> out of theaters after one weekend one weekend I know one of my friends was like I'm intrigued about seeing it and I was like I want to see it but I told her I was like we gotta go like right now. <laughs> I don't think we're going to get a big chance. This isn't even going to the cheap theaters. They don't want it. It was. And literally the day we went, it was like like a 1 p.m. and a 4 p.m. screening or something crazy like that. I was like, yeah, we got to go like today. Like this movie will be gone. (laughs) (laughs) It was interesting something you said that I I was half joking, but is there, I guess, not hope, but the the reaction, like you said, if if, – Best Power Ranger season, you know, Batman v Superman versus uh, you know Civil War. What is better, DC yeah. versus Marvel? Yeah. Does does the extreme reactions that you see to even pop culture is that just a reflection of how we are, or is that basically where we are as a, as a society right now, where we're just screaming louder because it's more noticeable? <laughs> I don't know, man. Uh, I think a lot of it's just passion. I mean, people are very very passionate about their what they're what they're fans of and i think sometimes we can confuse criticism on your fandom and criticism on yourself so if like if i'm a huge fan of marvel or dc or i'm a huge fan of power rangers or whatever and someone says to me that's stupid or that's dumb or i don't like that you're, they're saying it about the thing, but you can sometimes take it as they're saying that about you. They're saying you're stupid, so you you have that inclination to like, well, no, well, I'm going to fight back. Let's let's be honest. Some people do uh, impart the, the insult onto you personally because of you well, liking something. Yeah. There are some people well, that well, do because that. that's that's their end. They're like, well, no, you can't think that way because I yes. don't think that way. So therefore, right. I'm going to attack on you. No, that that's all of it's based on the passion. And I and and look, I love passion. I mean, I I wouldn't have a channel with all the stuff I talk about if I didn't have passion for these things. 
I guess just for me, I don't know if it's an age thing. I don't know if it's been an experience thing or, or just because I've been doing this for so long on YouTube specifically. But, like, there just gets to be a point where I just go, I'm passionate. But then there's that level where it's just like, all right, but now I'm done. <laughs> like, there's just a certain point where I just go, I can't argue about this anymore. I just don't care to that level of extent. Um, it's, I, you know, when it, get, when it gets, like I said, that I've, I've even done a couple videos about that. Like, I did this about Marvel and DC. I did this about Star Wars, mm-hmm. Force Awakens. I was like, look, if you don't like something, it's totally fine. But I think when it gets to the level where you're trying to talk down or say that someone else is wrong for their opinion, I think that's just unfair because if you have yours, they're allowed to have theirs. And as long as, again, as long as the opinion is warranted in your own personal thoughts. The other issue that happens sometimes, and it's just the truth, is that you do get some people who are not really having an opinion. They just heard someone else's and then they go and regurgitate that. I've called people out a couple times in comments when they'll write something that they're saying is their thought. And I'm like, oh, you watched so-and-so's interview where they said that exact same thing, word for word. So, you know, it, it, it's... um. It, that happens as well. I, I think that there's just always this need sometimes to get on bandwagons. And I'm just like, no, just have your own opinion. It's fine. If my opinion is different or if someone else's opinion is different, that's fine. But that's what they are. They're just opinions. And it's, it's just does it influence you to decide one way or the other if you want to go see this movie or not or whatever. I get it. So... Uh, but yeah, I just, I don't know, man. <laughs> it's that's tough. A, that's <laughs> the most politics I'll get out of you in the discussion without you realizing it. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. It's, it's true. I, I do. And then, of course, yeah. And then, of course, it's YouTube. So, of course, you're going to have sometimes where people are like, well, I'm going to go stream. I mean, that's what Black Nerd Rants was. I joke about that because people talk about why you don't do Black Nerd Rants as much anymore. It's like, well, when I did it, the joke was that I was super angry about ridiculous things obviously to play up the fact that how silly that is but sometimes i'll watch people do legit rants and i'm like that's it's on the exact same level but they're being serious and it's tough it's (laughs) tough to do satire on youtube because that's what people are used to the extremes already yeah so if that's what they're used to it's hard to satirize something yeah you know so now i have to find like just more ridiculous things i guess to be mad about (laughs) and if i do that trust me I, i will i will do more of that but yeah it's just, you know, there's just, a, like I said, it's a level with entertainment that we just have to decide. At the end of the day, these are businesses. They're companies. They're trying to make a buck. They're going to do what's best for them. Sometimes it's going to mean that they're going to listen to the fans, and sometimes it means that they're not. And, you know, we, we, we I guess because of how close we're connected with social media and everything like that, I think sometimes we treat our, and I've talked about this in a video one time. I we sometimes we treat our companies as friends, like we think that Marvel's our buddy or that that, that these companies, and they're like, no, they're not your friend, dude. Like the moment, <laughs> the moment that they can make money uh, the, without you, and, and it makes more, they will do it, and we've uh, seen it happen. Uh, I always say that whenever someone says, you know, oh, Sony versus Microsoft, I'm like, are, are, is Sony sending you a check when they do better than Microsoft? Well, I think it's interesting. People having this, you know, slavish devotion to these companies that put out their content because, like, like you said, the companies don't really care as long as you spend money. They don't have devotion to you in terms of you just being a wallet. So I think it's always well. They, I mean, well, they think they do have. I mean, they do respect a fan, you know, or people behind the fandom of something. But at the same time, they do have a business. Like that's one of the things I've, I've said about the the upcoming, I mean, I know it sounds like I'm plugging, but it sounds like the upcoming Power Rangers. Damn it, like, Andre, again. I'm sorry, but I think it's a perfect <laughs> example. Or even even uh, any of the other movie, any of the other franchises. Like 
yeah, you can cater these things to the fans, but in order for something to be successful, it usually takes someone who's not a hardcore fan to give it a chance. You know, the reason why these Marvel movies are successful has nothing to do with comic book knowledge. Like, these are just movies that a person can walk in and enjoy or heard from word of mouth that are good and will check it out. Because, you know, like I said, a lot of these Marvel characters I didn't know nothing about or hardly anything about before the movies. I've been very open about that. I was reading Archie. So, you know, um, but that that's what it takes uh, is is an extra thing. But sometimes that means that some things will not go the specific way you want to go in canon. Sure. Or, or, but overall, know, it happens. overall, Andre, um, yes. when these companies make uh, – Entertainment based upon another medium, whether it's a book, whether it's a cartoon, yeah. a comic book. In theory, in generally, the more uh, the more faithful they are to the source material, usually it's a better product. Just because, and this always because the product that existed oh, no, was I'm, always good to begin with. And that's why it's lasted fifty or sixty years. So right. once you have I think once you have other people yeah, uh, I, giving their own ideas about how to change that. Uh, even if their intentions are good, the risk is much higher that, uh, for something bad to go wrong than good because they're, they're, oh, they're no, tinkering. It's, a, it's always a risk. Yeah, yeah. But, I, but I'm saying that there's some things that you can change and others you don't. Change. I mean, like, that was the problem with the Jim movie. Is like the things that made, that made Jim Jim were completely stripped away. It wasn't just about that band. It was about synergy. It was about the sci-fi element in this. Like, it's a, like when you really think about it, it's a weird program. You're talking about a woman who can change herself to an other identity through technology, who can project holograms. You know, there's a very fun element that you don't get in other things. So to completely remove that out, it doesn't make any sense. But if a movie has the same style or feel as what you grew up with, but a cast member change or a storyline changes, like that's a whole different thing than let's completely ignore that's why, I mean, it's dumb, but, like, I'm so much more excited for this Smurfs movie that's coming out just because it's actually in the Smurfs world versus the one where it was like, let's take the Smurfs to New York. It's like you've got a whole fantasy world that you've that been built upon since the beginning of this franchise, and you're going to completely ignore that to be like, wow, the Smurfs in New York, it's crazy, you know what I mean? Is, is, this, <laughs> so, is this in like, the same continuity as the other movies? No, I think it's its, it's own. A, it's a whole different thing. It's a reboot. So like, so, yeah. So it's a reboot of the reboot. So like, so like, that's the thing where I got like, that's crazy. But then I look at something like the Chipmunks, which I'm not saying the Chipmunks are beautiful movies, but people who got mad the Chipmunks are rapping or whatever. Now I'm like, well, in the '80s they sang '80s songs, in the '50s they sang '50s songs. So it's technically not that much of a difference. It's just they have to go with the time. So I, I think that's what it is. I think it's just if the essence is there. But, yeah, if you completely lose that essence of what makes something something good, then, yeah, you're you're screwed. <laughs> as an aside, I'm looking at the Smurfs cast. There's, like, several uh, female characters. Well, not just Smurfette. There's a bunch of other ones. Oh, hey, you're putting spoilers out there, what? Pat. Be careful. What? Spoiler alert. There's Smurf, Smurf Lily. Don't spoil the Smurfs movie, Mich- Pat, for people, maybe. Some people want to go in blind with the Smurfs. Michelle Rodriguez, Rodriguez is a Smurf? Yes, what? the Smurf and the Furious. What the hell is going on? I just think it's funny that there's there's an audience for even now, even I would say Smurfs wasn't, you might disagree with me, wasn't a What's tier that? one 
80s property. It was like tier two to me in terms of um, in terms of longevity and sort of the overall impact in terms of like – let's just put it this way. In between the Smurfs cartoon in the 80s and then this, these current movies, there wasn't a lot of Smurf action going on in, the, in between there. You right. know what I mean? Well, there's a lot of there's a lot of franchises that are like that. You got you've got the things that came out from like the 70s, 80s, 90s that have still continued from that time, even if they had a hardcore fan base. And then you have the franchises like they were good for their time. You don't really talk about that much until the reboot. So what's funny about Smurfs is I used to, I collect Smurfs, right? So before between the animated series and the movie, if I told you I had a Smurf collection, most people would be like, oh, that's really cool, because I remember the Smurfs from the mm-hmm. 80s. The figures are very vintage. You know, it looks like something that's a collector's item based on nostalgia. And people used to be like, oh, that's cool. As soon as the movie came out, then I would say, I have a Smurfs collection. And people would be like, why are you collecting uh, stuff from that kid's it movie? It. <laughs> It, it, it because it it put a different identity on it because uh, now it was no longer a nostalgia property. That, it was now this new thing that came. That out. exactly happened when uh, Phantom Menace came out, episode one. <laughs> like, yeah. but it was worse because I sold most of my my. I had a vintage Star Wars collection, toy collection right. from the seventies, eighties. That was fairly large and fairly valuable. Once Phantom yeah. Menace came out, not just my taste for Star Wars just dissipated. But then I was uh-huh. a little afraid how others were going to look at me <laughs> at that point. Because like you said, it was no longer like this heralded nostalgic property. Now it was current, yeah. new, and garbage, you know, compared yeah. to what it was, <laughs> I, if I can just say that. Not th- but, then you have, but then you have instances like Transformers where you have the movies and, it, and it's totally different, but they're making money. So that, that's a great example of like, oh, we're not going to do what you want, but we're making a billion dollars a movie, so whatever. Yeah. But – if it, I don't know if it's just me, but I noticed that more love was given to the nostalgia, to the G ones, to the to the classic stuff, or or making new products based on more classic properties because of that. Um, because you know people want to have their and Ninja Turtles another example of that is like when the new series came out, you started seeing you see a lot more now products that are designed after the '80s series or the comic books or the '90. There's these really nice ones that NECA just did of like the '90 movie that look like. The turtles like so. Sometimes, even though the new thing may not be what exactly you want, sometimes it's there to help bolster popularity for that franchise again, so you can get the old stuff that you want better. So that sometimes happens, <laughs> but yeah, it was weird with Smurfs because I was just like it went it really went from nostalgia to why do you have this stuff like in the instant just That's, because of that movie. <laughs> it's probably the same thing we said for those few people that collect the uh, Albert and the Chipmunk, uh, you know. I, I would say so. But you know what? You know, I know because you do games. I mean, like, the lot of things that happened with Nintendo games. Like, I bought, I, I my, the like, the most recent Nintendo system I had before, you know, the the big craze now, I remember buying a system on eBay. It was the full Nintendo system, working system, with, like, 20, 30 games, and, like, high, like all the Marios, all the Zeldas, both Ninja Turtles, a bunch of random, good, popular games. And I may have spent, like, $60 for the whole thing whereas and and when I moved to LA I sold a bunch of my video game stuff like my old retro video game stuff to move and I was like well no big deal it didn't cost me that much I can get it again when I get to LA <laughs> and then uh, that whole thing completely changed and it was like wow well now that thing that I pretty much gave away could have been a strong investment <laughs> if I would have just waited a couple years but who would have known who would have known that that happened 
that would have happened. But then you get, you know, all the stuff that's happened on YouTube with old games. You get the the, the classic collectors at the conventions, and it changes the demand for something. Well, like I want to get back to in terms of the, I like to call this nostalgia cycle, um, because yeah. obviously your YouTube career. It's a pillar of, of your YouTube career in terms of commenting on uh, older properties that, that are still around in some form, whether it's Power Rangers, Ninja right. Turtles, even Archie doing doing a, a, a dramatic series, which to me is like the like the, the weirdest thing. How they took a property that has nothing to do with like, like the tone is totally different, you know? Like that's yeah, just, and yet it works. But <laughs> at least in my opinion, it works. But yeah, yeah. And this happened very, very first, I would say, in the nineties. When you had just a laundry list, and I have something here of, of movies that came out that were based mm-hmm. upon 60s TV shows. Lost in Space, The Witch, yep. The Avengers, the, the, the British show, Mikhail's Navy, Adam's Family, Flintstones, Mission Impossible, uh, Car 54, Where Are You? And I'm sure I'm forgetting some of those are the ones <laughs> off the top of my head. But, oh, yeah. Brady Bunch movies, yeah. uh, Beverly Hillbillies, uh, Leave it to Beaver, I think, had a movie. Little they had a series, a Leave it to Beaver revival series, remember, like in the, in the early yeah. early. but that's the thing. But, with the, but some of that was in the 80s, too. I mean, if you think about it, like uh, like I said, like Chipmunks was a big 80s property. That was from the 50s. Um, um, and then there was like... There was like the new. It would be like the new monsters or the new. Like there'd be like these remakes and stuff. This is not. This is all the same thing. We're just getting more of it because well, we have more properties and we got social media to talk about it more. And we got movies that are with bigger budgets to do it more. But this cycle of go back 20, 30 years and what property can we use again has been going on for quite some time. I think where we are at that, though, is a slightly different inflection point now in terms of entertainment, though. Because right. now what you're seeing, this transfer of... And I think it, we hit a zenith uh, of, of pop culture uh, in the 80s because these properties from the 80s, uh, G- mm-hmm. Transformers, uh, Ninja Turtles, you know, those late 80s, uh, yeah. G.I. Joe, um, Power Rangers, early 90s. So maybe 80s, early 90s. These are still mm-hmm. the most popular entertainment franchises, by and large, today. Um, right. Not just because of, of the kids that are growing up, them, but the parents are still holding on to them more. So I wonder if we're going to get to this weird spot where um, you're not going to have a growing sort of fandom for stuff that's coming out in today. You know, stuff from 2006. Oh, you know. yeah. No, it's going to be tough. Well, I think the reason for that is mainly going to be because of how we ingest the content. So the reason why stuff from like the 60s, 70s, 80s are so big is because everyone was kind of on the same page with media. It was like you had your your you didn't have cable. Mm-hmm. You didn't have various outlets. You know, if you want to watch cartoons, you watched it Saturday mornings. You watched it weekday afternoons. We all pretty much had the same cartoons. I know there was a lot of syndication cartoons, so depending on where you lived, your schedule would be different. But we were essentially watching the same stuff. And then cable comes along, and now you're getting very niche things for different people, but not everyone has cable. And now you have, uh, you know, channels that are showing cartoons 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Or, 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 or you have people who can watch different things in different places. Now the internet is here. And now you've got people who can watch certain things and be very niche from a different website or a different platform. So I think what's happening is that there's a lot more property out there, but it's really spread out. And you can kind of pick and choose your fandom as opposed to like, you know, when Power Rangers came out, everyone knew what that was. When Ninja Turtles came out, everyone knew what that was. And, and everyone knew what that was even if you weren't a fan. Mm-hmm. 
Like, like my dad does not like this stuff, but he knew what Power Rangers was. He knew what Ninja Turtles was. He couldn't explain it to you, <laughs> but he knew about so, it. He knew that I liked it. So he was he was aware of it. So, but if you know, but well, I mean, and there's still some properties I think that will hit, hit that level. Like, um, you know, I see like something like SpongeBob or whatever being at that. But like, if yeah, if there's a cartoon today or a, a property today that's entertaining, it may be great. But will yeah, will twenty thirty years down the line will we see it again? Because most of the ones that are popular even today are the remakes of something, yeah. you know? Uh, like I said, Ninja Turtles, Power Rangers, My Little Pony, uh, 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 tra- Transformers, um, you know, a lot of the, uh, Vol- the new Voltron series. Like, these are all remakes. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think that's where we're at. And SpongeBob, actually, that came out in 99, so that was almost near the end of... Yeah, that was that yeah. was still yeah. That's it's still technically a '90s show. <laughs> but yeah, I don't. I couldn't tell you based upon just me taking in pop culture. I couldn't tell you any extremely popular franchise for just let's just say for when we grew up in the '80s for like young boys that's that really got big the last five years that I know about. I can't think of personally think of any, and I'm trying. Where that I was like, yeah. wow, th- this is really popular, and this is I, this is going to be something that I think that's going to be around 20 years from now. People are going to look back and be like, wow, that was a show in the 2010s. That was a show that I grew up on and loved. Uh, well, that's the thing. It's like when I when I when I go to conventions and I talk to people there, there's certain franchises, whether it's movies, TV shows, games, or whatever. Like there's certain things that I will hear those people talk about. And then I look in my comments and see references to things online, and they're mentioning shows and movies that I don't know anything about. And I'm just like, wow, that's that's new to me, you know. And but it's something that they're passionate about, and and that's great. I think it's great. But yeah, like you said, when when someone decide when the reboot uh, police come out and decide what's the next property we're going to take from 20 years ago and bring it back. I think it is going to be tougher for them because first off, most of them are going to already be remakes as they are. So what we're probably going to end up seeing is just. I think what we're probably seeing is the same ones again. We just rebooted. We're basically again for an- at the end of new enter- new entertainment like icons. It, it, we're, not that it's totally over, but I think we reached a point where they're going to trickle. There will never be. It's going to be. We're not going to have less. an eighties ninety explosion again. We're like well, yeah. And then the other thing too is that um, I, I don't know what better way to say this. We accepted a lot more back then, so some of the sillier, goofier things that you can do differently, we may not have as much of that anymore. I mean, like, you know, when you look at a show like Alf, or, <laughs> or even, you know, or Full House, I mean, like, these things are, are kind of silly and goofy, but it's like... That's all we had. That's, that was part yeah. of the charm. Yeah, it was what we had, and it was part of the charm. And I think that that's, that's why you find that some of these things come back, because people will go, all right, well, we've seen the silly version of this. How can we make the the grittier version of this or the more realistic version of this? Okay, this was done for 80s pop culture. How can we do it for today's pop culture? I mean, like, there's a way of, of doing that. But I, I think I think it's going to take us as a society to change in a way to where we're going to have to, to where we can look back at the 2000s and 2010s and goes, whoa, we, we were doing that back then? Let's try that again with with our today's take. But we got to get there. I don't think we're at that point yet. And like you said, the way we were digesting entertainment is so much more diverse and more individualistic that maybe we won't get back to that point where like every year in the 80s and 90s you can say wow that iconic show came out that year 89 yeah. 90 red and, and stimpy that faster. year yeah, it was, you yeah. Know. and the content's coming out a lot faster i mean like there's people like the fact that people are referring to the early 2000s as nostalgic when we're in 2017 is pretty crazy because 
when in like you were saying in the 90s a lot of the remakes we were doing were from stuff from the 50s and the 60s and maybe the and, early and 70s. that was and they weren't kid properties too which is interesting no they weren't no they were like they were like classic you know black and white films or or serialized shows or stuff like that you know like i i always think about like the 89 batman movie like the tim burton movie because before that the I mean, obviously you had the comic books, but I'm just saying for the mainstream pop culture, Batman was Super Friends. Yep. And it was, which was like 70s, right? Mm-hmm. And and it was the Adam West series. So if you think about that time frame between that Batman, six, you know, 60s Adam West Batman and 70s Super Friends to that 89 movie, and now you think about that string from Batman and Robin to Batman Begins... Mm-hmm. And how much smaller that is, and then you think about Dark Knight Rises to Batman v Superman. You see, like how the time between is like getting shorter and shorter and shorter. Yeah. Like that's crazy. I, so I think we're getting to the point where um, we're going to see reboots and remakes every, honestly, every five to ten years, just because I think again these are corporations and they realize that yeah. if we we if we have a guaranteed money maker. Why we're going to just keep going to it? We're just going to keep going to it. You know, there's no there's well, no reason. Think, there's less of an incentive to take a risk on a on a property and put a lot of money behind it if you don't know it's going to make money. And that's just the way entertainment. Which is, is sad because when you see it happen and you see it happen well, it does so successful. Mm-hmm. But I think it is it is that whole let's play it safe. But I think what we're also going to see more of than just the remake of something is I think we're going to start seeing the variations of something. So you're going to see. A, you know, X franchise have the fun for kids cartoon show, and at the same time have the PG thirteen mm-hmm. movie, and also have the sort of of semi serious comic book, and have the merchandise of new product and Oprah. I think you're going to start seeing uh, a, a conglomerate of like various versions, so that no matter what era of the franchise you came in with, there's something out there for you. Yeah, and unfortunately, um, I think we're actually we're getting more narrow. In terms of where the source material is coming from, uh, because yeah. while there are hugely successful franchises like Harry Potter, where it's just a phenomenon, it starts its own sort of Star Wars universe in terms of merchandising yeah. uh, oh, offshoots. Yeah. But if, for every one of those, there's ten uh, Aragons that like <laughs> they, they come and go, and you're like, "Whoa, that was based yeah. on a book. It could have started something, but." Didn't happen, or was it? What was the other big bomb? A uh, golden compass was one where, like, oh yeah, bombed like yeah. I mean, bombed horribly, and it, and when yeah. those happen, that's a much bigger risk as well. Versus, all right, you know, uh, we're, we're going to recast Captain America for the fifth time in 2060, you know, and just keep this going like a comic book, like yeah, so just going to be. I think movies are going to become like comic books where. They're, well, they already, or yeah, like, they already or have. They're all going to yeah. turn into James Bond where they're a 50-year franchise or every 8 to 10 years, we'll just swap out the next guy and hopefully you like him as much as before. I think that's where we're yeah, headed. Yeah, no. I totally, I totally see that happening. I mean, yeah, I think I mean that's why um, I think people are really excited. You know, the studios are really excited at least about this whole cinematic universe concept because it is a thing where you can technically make a new film, but it's still technically a sequel, yeah. or it's still established. It's still part of an established franchise. I mean, like you look at something. I mean, it's a definitely different scale. But you look at something like Ten Cloverfield Lane. Like technically, that has nothing to do with Cloverfield. It's a, a complete anthology story type thing. But by saying it's you know part of this anthology series with Cloverfield, it was at least something to get it started. And then the movie itself, you know, helped it go any further than that but you but that 
that seemed like a safer bet than just let's release this film as is as its own separate identity and and not associate it with anything. So, yeah, you're gonna. I think you're gonna see a lot of that kind of thing, or like the so and so presents this movie, you know. So it's it's like it doesn't have anything to do with the franchise at all. But, you know, it's still in the world enough that you can throw a, a name on top of it, a label on top of it. I th- Which that's, you know, that's what that's what you see about the Netflix, the Marvel Netflix shows. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's their standalone shows, and then every once in a while someone goes, hey, you remember that thing that happened in New York City with the hammer? Got the hammer? And it's like, oh, okay, it's the same universe. Good. Now you can throw Marvel on top of it. Now you can say it's part of the cinematic universe. Good to go. <laughs> that reminds me. I, I, I don't... Enjoy Luke Cage, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, by the way, just as a side, I've loved what Marvel's been doing, keeping everything in the same universe. I wish DC had the forethought to do that with their series versus having two versions of, of char- the same character on TV or mo- movies. I just, I just like it doesn't make me want to watch it at that point. Two, it's, it's, it's it makes yeah. it harder to be like, all right, we have this TV universe that looks looks cheaper versus the movie universe <laughs> that looks awesome with two different flashes. Right. And I'm just like, I don't want to deal with I that. Know. I know. I'm, I'm a little... I mean, it's, <laughs> you know, it's funny It's funny that I'm a... I, I'm like a. I'm like the guy that like will talk bad... I'm like DC's older brother, <laughs> where it's like, I will talk bad about them, but then when everyone was like, yeah, DC's like... I'm like, oh, wait, 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 hold hey, on. Hold I, on, I hold can on. slap around don't DC, not you. All right? <laughs> but yeah, yeah, exactly. But but I, I kind of give them the benefit of the doubt just because the Marvel Cinematic Universe was one of these things that no one would have expected to happen. It was it was an original thing uh, for something like this to happen because before then, that was the way to do it, was you had the movie version, you had the TV version, you had the cartoon, they weren't connected, uh, whatever. And so, you know, I don't 100% blame DC for that. It obviously would be nice, it would obviously would make a lot of sense, and it would obviously be great because, yeah, if you're... Cause like you, the CW shows are successful. So if people are invested in that and you tell them, well, hey, now we're going to make this movie and these characters are part of that universe, it's only going to want have that audience want to check that out. I mean, they got ex- people got excited that Supergirl moved to CW just because they knew there was going to be more crossover. Mm-hmm. So if that's enough of an excitement, imagine how it would feel if you saw a Justice League and The Flash and Arrow from the shows are part of that Justice League, even if they have smaller parts. I mean, I get it, you know, TV versus movie, but even if they had... So, still something involved in that it just would make a lot more sense but hey but what's already but been done been Warner done. brothers you know, isn't used to sense at this point with these movies so far that's all I well, but i mean that's the thing though it's like what do you do at that point when you've already established all these things separate of each other before even deciding to do a cinematic universe and now well, you're like well now i want to make one what do well, you do well, flash it's, flash it's, has only been around for a few years now the, the TV show. True. That was one where That's they true. knew they were gonna. They yeah. knew they were gonna do a Justice League movie with that one. They knew. That's true. <laughs> I hate, like I said, like I said, you know, Arrow. I, I, Arrow isn't an A A lister. You know, he's B B plus, but Flash is an A lister. No, I get it, man. Hey, DC. DC is my alcoholic cousin, and I. I, that, I I still love them. I still care for them. But when you tell me these things, it's like that, I can't argue with you. That would be that would be the equivalent of do, of if Marvel did a Thor show that ended up looking like one of those sci-fi shows where they find some abandoned you know little pasture out to shoot on and just had that, that would yeah. be like the equivalent. Where you're like, whoa, well, why didn't you just wait for the movie? You know, like or in court, like it just doesn't fit in my head. But anyway, this isn't becoming a DC I, bashing. Uh, no, yeah. no, but I mean, no, but I could say. But then you know, and I, I know that's funny. I'm sorry, <laughs> but then I think of something like Power Rangers, where 
I do want to see a not related to TV well, version of that because the TV is very much the TV show, and I like that show, but you know it has a very specific look. That franchise has never had the big budget. Let's you know. Let's try to make this like uh, you know like all the all the other you, types of movies. Are you saying so. Turbo, a Power Rangers movie, was not big budget enough for you? <laughs> it was on a bigger screen. <laughs> Well, I thought it was exactly. funny that they they sure. didn't they end up using like those sets for the TV show afterwards. It actually made sense. So, you know, we build it for it. We can yeah, use it. Yeah, the first the first Power Rangers movie was kind of like its yeah, own. Yeah, that I mean that it, pissed me it off. Fit the canon, but it doesn't because <laughs> the, the next season of Power Rangers did a different type of canon. But it seemed like they at least were like we're gonna make a quote unquote movie version, even though was, there was still some cheese in it. It was mm-hmm. it was an attempt. But yeah, Turbo was like, okay, so this is an episode of the show, yeah. right? And it's just a little bit longer. <laughs> uh, I still saw it in the theaters, though. Oh, you did? I didn't see that one. I was sort of... Oh, yeah! That's when I got out. I got out of Power Rangers probably somewhere near the end of Zeo where I was like, all right. J- you know, I love Jason. He's my favorite. He comes back. He's gone. Tommy. Yeah. At that point, to me, it's like the rule of a TV show. Once you have, like, you know, only one of the main r- original cast left, and then they're gone or around, I'm like, okay, end yeah, the show. Yeah, they were, they were slowly dropping off, and then you get, like, a person come back, and then they drop off. And then there was a certain point. I think it was, like, uh, it was Turbo, where they just were like, all right, we're, we're hey. done. Let's just switch it. And now it's this weird, like... I mean, I get it. I, I mean, I told knowing <laughs> knowing that franchise, I totally get why they do it. But the whole thing of like they change Power Rangers every yeah. single season now. Yeah, it's tough because if you do get a Power Ranger that you like, you're like, man, I really like this person. But I know next franchise they're going to be gone. It's kind of a bummer. Yeah, we, we were yeah. we were spoiled for those first uh, couple years that you had the, origi- oh, the original original yeah. five. Uh, well, until they started doing the weird. Well, Jason, Trini, and Zach they're off doing something. For, but they'll, but they'll show up in costume with different <laughs> voices. And man. let me tell you something: <laughs> they didn't fool my ass as a kid. I knew something behind the scenes was going on, and I didn't like it. Pay them, oh, pay dude. them, Saban, pay dude, them. They're doing that. They're doing that. Uh, that Twitch marathon. Of oh yeah, I was gonna get to that. It's fantastic to see the reaction to people. It's awesome. The co- I've, I've never liked comments more. I've always been like, comments, you know, I can only take so much because of what oh, you get, but it's like, brilliant. the comments for the Twitch feed for that thing is hilarious because it, it, it sometimes takes a person who's not connected to the franchise and say something yeah. where you gotta go, damn, you're right. Because they, yeah, when there's points when it's like so obvious that like, we're going to show the back of Trini's head, yes. and it's someone else talking, yes. and then we cut to reused footage of her from I, another episode. It's like, oh. I remember. I knew that, I, I, I knew that was the case, but I didn't want to ever say it, but now you see it, oh, and you're oh, like, no, I I'm knew. Like, yeah. I, I, knew back, I knew back then. I was pissed. I knew something was going on, but you didn't have the internet to go online, but like, why are Trini, Zach, and Jason not on the show anymore? You couldn't do that. There was there was one line. I mean, my friends used it all the time in, this, in school, because we would, we would just go. Oh man, can he do that? Because it was like a it was like a Jason line, yeah. but whoever said that line I, sounded I, nothing like Jason at this, all. And so we would always do that all the time. We'd go, "Oh man, can he do that?" I, re- <laughs> I remember in the midst of those about what fifteen to twenty episodes where they were transitioning him yeah. out. That for yeah. one or two of them, they had Trini show up again for like a scene or two, like in between reused footage. Oh, uh, reused footage. You sure? I thought there was one time it where. Was- it was a mix. It was a mix of uh, overdubbing over Power Ranger suits. Which oh yeah, that was obvious. Them in Power Ranger suits, but then you would have Tommy, Kimberly, and Billy with their helmets off, but their helmets were on. Or it would be reused footage uh, from I, from other. I could have sworn there was one where Trini was like laying in a park on like a blanket, and Kim came up and talked to her. That it fit into the episode. But maybe I'm crazy. 
Oh, I mean, I'm crazy about that. No, they, they, hey, hey, if there's one thing I can credit <laughs> the people behind that show is they know how to reuse, reuse footage to their advantage. Uh, but yeah, and, there's times where they would be like, let's call the other Rangers. And they luckily just and, had some footage of the, those and, three together. And they were like, there we go. <laughs> or you can definitely tell because when they change Zach's hair in season two, then they go back to the Zach season one flat top. Yeah. I was just like, wait a second. Come on. Come on, guys. Hold on. <laughs> but um, I, that always yeah, annoyed man. me just that Jason had to have had a fitting send off. They couldn't get trading Zach for one episode. They couldn't come back to say, hey, we thank you. Hey, man. Oh, man. That just so, sort of bothered hey. me. You know, it's it's one of those things where like it made me mad, but at the same time, particularly now nowadays, hearing some stories, you're just like, I get the, it. You know, yeah, you heard. <laughs> I you mean, heard why? Let's let's yeah, be real. So Power Rangers has made a lot of money. Yeah, <laughs> Savant has made a lot of money, but you know. You know, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll you know I'll get out to one of those Morphicons. I saw I think uh, uh, the, the actor who played Zach. Uh, he was at Comic Con last year, and I saw him sitting there by himself. And it was so weird because usually with a lot of these people I see, I would not be afraid to go up and say hi to him. But for Zach, I was sort of like, nah, he's like a superhero still to me. I don't want to go up to the what was his name Walter Johnson. I didn't want to go up to him. Yeah, Walter Jones. Walter Jones. And, well, you know what's cool is yeah, the first time I ever went to a convention. First of all, when I found out there was even a Morphicon to exist. I was like, "What? Okay, <laughs> that's cool." Because, like I said, because like you, my Power Rangers knowledge was more the early seasons, so I didn't even, you know, I knew that Power Rangers was still going on, but I just didn't know the fandom was strong enough to garner uh, um, a convention. So when I went, I was like, "This is gonna be amazing." And yeah, dude, I was super nervous. Like, I was like, these are the people I grew up with, and them superheroes, and I kind of had a crush on a couple of them. I don't know how I'm gonna be right now. And they were, they are some of the nicest coolest people and they are so thankful to their fans for for just supporting them and i just i love that i just always love when someone who's like a you know a former actor in a series no matter what happened with them and that experience with the series they still are cool with the people who who watch them and and, and grew up with them and stuff and i just I, so it's just really awesome and that's why I'm, that's why i've been able to be cool with some of them a couple of them and be friends with some of them because it's just like they're just really down the earth people who had a fun experience got to be a superhero for a couple of years and and now get to like hang out and meet their fans at conventions. That's cool. You are friends with Power Rangers. Damn it, Andre. <laughs> Damn it. You're so much better than like, me. You're not, so much. We're not like driving like, around all the time. Like, like, hey, <laughs> Power Ranger man. I just mean like when I see them, they're like, oh, hey, Andre. And I'm like, hey, Power Ranger person. And I'm like, we're cool. Like, I just mean like that. Like, <laughs> Damn it. What's that? You have a cameo in the movie? What's that I hear? <laughs> oh, yeah. No, that's that's the rumor going around. It is, it is not true. I am not in the movie. I'm not in the movie. I was not paid by Lionsgate. I I have no connection. I just was a, a lucky yeah, guy that got to do some press. But like you said, it, it sort of validates everything. <laughs> Seeing these people, a lot of these people in these Twitch uh, chats, which we should get back to, by the way, since we're running longer yeah. here. But, like, they all adore, like, Bulk and Skull are, like, the heroes to them. Obviously, Tommy, Which is so Kimberly, funny because Pat. I've talked they, – they, they were – I remember going to one of the conventions and they talked about how they wanted to do a Bulk and Skull spinoff yes. back in the day. Yeah. But Bulk and Skull apparently they did like this videotape of just Bulk and Skull's best moments, and it didn't sell. So they're like, "Well, no one's interested in Bulk and Skull." But they said that as like when people were kids, they were kind of like, "Get Bulk and Skull out of the way. We want to watch the Power Rangers." But it's like, but as you got older, appreciate Bulk it. and Skull were like your favorites. And then when you think about it too, Bulk and Skull lasted the longest of anybody they, on, on that whole. They franchise. had like what five, six years of character development. Yeah, you know? yeah, they had they had the most character development. They've helped the Power Rangers, saved the Power Rangers a few times, uh, and then like years later, Bolt comes back. And oh, I didn't know and that. Skull has a 
Yeah, it's a uh, uh, Power Ranger Samurai. Bolt comes back, and he's a mentor for Spike, who is the son of Skull. What? And then Skull makes a cameo at the la- in the last episode. And I'm just, and yeah, and then they also cameoed in uh, another episode, a couple of other episodes, I think. So yeah, so of the oh. Power Rangers franchise, they have like the longest story going on. But it's moments like that that I want to be in the Twitch chat to see people experiencing that for the first time. Like, I can't imagine when Jason came back as a Gold Ranger, people in the chat not knowing that it's going to happen. Oh, I went man. nuts. Yeah. You know, and so, yeah. so that's what's so well, fascinating. Well, a lot of it, yeah, well, some of it got spoiled. You know, oh, you sure. know how the chat should go. But yeah, but I think it was one of those things of, of, of that. And then, like I said, when you were watching a show like that, when it aired you know, one one day or, or five days a week or whatever, but you had that one time slot. You can kind of forgive a lot of things, but when you watch it back to back <laughs> to back, you just start, no- like, like you know, you start noticing, like, man, there was something about certain, like, people get mad when there's a lot of people who are like, why do you just like Mighty Morphin? And I'm like, there are some great seasons, but there are also some seasons of powers you're like... You start to see the, hey, see the seams a little bit in the formula. Because, yeah. yeah, but beca- yeah, be- yeah, because, and that's the thing, because it's because you're watching it Side, you know, in a block. Like when you're watching just one episode, you're like, great. But you're like watching five or six in a row. You start going like, okay, there's that footage again. There's that scene again. Yeah. There's that fight again. <laughs> the Megazord fight. Someone, I, I told somebody that one day I would love to watch every episode of Power Rangers. And I think someone replied back, well, if you just skip the opening title sequences, all the Zord fights, you probably could get it done pretty quickly. <laughs> the the abridged like, version of Power Rangers. Yeah, yeah. the bulk and skull version. Yeah, but uh, but, but yeah. <laughs> what, what do you have going on next? What's what, what do you have lined up? Uh, next for me, uh, more videos, of course. Uh, I, I mean, I don't mean this in like a life changing way, but I mean, I, I I am going through one of those like, let's check out the channel, see what I'm see what I'm liking, see what I want to do more of, see what I want to do differently, sort of deal. So we'll see how that goes. You know, it happens. Uh, but I'm just, yeah, going to do more of that. I'm still hosting Regal, uh, so that's going to go on through the rest of the year. And um, I'm hosting a show with uh, Katie Wilson called K- Kingdom Geek, and that airs on the full screen app and also occasionally on television, which is nice. Um, so, yeah, man, just just constantly doing that kind of stuff. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah. You're, you're always busy. And then, of course, you're on the convention scene. I always say you do too many, but you don't listen to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do. Too, yeah, you say I do too many, and I don't do enough when I'm at them or whatever. Like, or I need to be selling more, is, I think you tell me. Well, so. I mean, you're doing all this traveling. You should get something back in terms of all the mileage you're putting on your body. And, and you know, you. I know. But I mainly I mainly do it to meet the people in person. I mean, I, I love that people watch, and I love seeing the views and the comments and stuff. But there is something nice about being able to meet people face to face that watch your videos or or to be able to do a panel like a black nerd panel or something where I'm just answering questions and kind of doing what I do live just because I think it's that nice reminder that I'm like oh he really is into this stuff it's not just a show but like this is part of who he is and like we get to see it firsthand I think it's like a special experience for those people who come out to those things that's why Andre always humble even though (laughs) even to your own detriment god I hate this guy Speaking of humble, I do. No, I'm I stupid. do. I get it. I get it. I, yes, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But I, yeah, I I, 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 I do understand. think that you know. I do want you to write that book we discussed. I do think you should write a book. Yes, you. I I really do appreciate you letting me write uh something for your for your book. And yeah, you and one of your other writers that I met in person both said that you you thought I did really well with that and should do more of that. So that is that is definitely being taken consideration. I do, I used to write all the time when I was a kid. I used to literally buy. 
like the spiral notebooks and just write my own stories or write my own adventures of my favorite characters and draw comics of my favorite characters and stuff and make my own crossovers and, and original ideas and stuff like that. So, you heard it here first. You know. uh, Andre and Pat collab screenplay coming up. <laughs> it's going to come up. Yeah, what what property can we buy and remake that, that's just kind of hey, sitting idly hey. by? <laughs> uh, Snorks, uh, Snorks isn't doing anything, right? <laughs> right, that's true. Well, I was going to say, we could do Chips, but they're, they're got to be That I couldn't out, believe, so. because they're doing an R-rated <laughs> comedy based upon the most probably PG thing that ever existed in the Chips. Like, I, I couldn't believe I'm like, I was like, was that, was that going to work? Isn't Baywatch also radar? The new Baywatch that's coming that, out? That, I think, is PG-13. But th- now we're in okay. this sort of weird stage with stuff like t- the 21 Jump Street movies where they're taking the properties yeah. but doing something that has nothing to do with the original properties. They're just taking the name, basically. Yeah, but, but 21 Jump Street was very well done. And it also it also was a, a almost kind of a satire of that whole sure. concept of the, the taking the... Taking the um, taking the old show and trying to reboot it and stuff like that. So, you know, I think that there's, I think whether you're being completely faithful to the franchise or you take those liberties, I think all is accepted as long as, like I said, as long as the material is good and as long as the essence of what makes that thing a thing is still there. You know, as long as you have that, I think you're good. But, yeah, I think we're going to see more variations of franchises over time. Because <laughs> I think what else you got, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. So, Andre, where can everyone find you at? Uh, you can find me on YouTube. Uh, my YouTube channel is Black Nerd Comedy. So, YouTube.com slash Black Nerd Comedy. Or you can do, just do YouTube.com slash Andre. It redirects you. And uh, on Twitter and Instagram, you can follow me at Black Nerd. You got That's your it. own Andre redirect on YouTube. God, you have so much power on YouTube. I didn't know. That. <laughs> no, I I was able to get the the channel with that name a long time because I think it got, like, got closed down. Oh, really? Or something like that. So you you, you snagged yeah. the name. Yeah. So I originally had it as like a second channel, but then you know another 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 thing that people did back in the day that I don't think many people do nowadays is the second and third channels. And yeah, stuff, so we didn't bring that up. I, I'm thinking about doing a second channel for myself. I'm not sure if it's necessary if it does more har- harm than good versus putting different content on your own channel. It's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a philosophical think, debate. I don't, I don't know if there's a right answer or not. Yeah. I just don't. I think it just depends on what people come for your main channel and if the new thing is something that's very, very different. I think originally... When I was doing full-on sketch-type stuff or full-on, like, you know, comedy-comedy, like, in that sense, then a second channel made sense to be like, let me do more vlogs or more life or just more talking to camera. But once the main channel became more of that, then it just seemed like the second channel was any different. So, you know, if I come up with something else, maybe that'll be – then maybe a second channel will happen. Claymation. for right Andre's now, Andre's claymation. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, my, when, you know, when my whole animation channel takes off, then we'll switch it up. Right now, I think I think it's good to just have one place for everything for me, at least. So, right. well, Andre, it was great great yeah. talking to you. I'm sure I'll see you at like three or four conventions coming up. We'll, probably, we'll, we'll probably so. do a Comic Con panel maybe again. I know you're super busy at Comic Con. You do like 17 different things there, but we had fun last year, and I'll. Oh, that was a blast. No, yeah, I would love to do that maybe again. We'll, we'll come up with like, a, I don't know, celebrating pop culture through YouTube or something like that, you know, which is yeah. what you do extremely well. So thank you, Andre, and uh, thank I you. will talk to you probably, I don't know, soon. I don't know. I'll see you, I'll see you, see you in <laughs> Texas in a few weeks already, yeah. All right. <laughs> Sounds good, man. Thanks again to Andre Meadows for taking the time to speak to me. You can follow him on Twitter and on YouTube for all his latest work at black nerd comedy if you enjoyed this podcast please subscribe if you haven't done so already and you could also share it on social media you could leave a comment 
that helps, or rate it on your podcast application of choice, whether it's iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, Google Play, etc. And if you really want to show your support for me, I do have a Patreon. It's patreon.com slash patcontry. I appreciate your support there as well. I'll see you next week with another Not So Common Podcast.